Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We're doing a new series for Christmas. Um, I don't know about you, like some of you, how many of you just Christmas is your favorite time of year? Um, you love it. I mean, you're just, you're like Buddy the Elf. Like you're like, <laughs> I'm in a mall and I'm singing, or whatever it is. Not a mall, what is it? I'm in a store and I'm singing. But you're like Buddy the Elf. I'm like not quite like, I'm a firm believer and you don't listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving, you know, and I get a little bit tired of the Hallmark movies, even though April loves them. Um, She always goes for the small town guy with an ugly sweater and not for the CEO. That's the whole, yeah, every, so I thought, I thought let's make, let's take, let's let Christmas take a little bit of a dark turn this year. Okay, let's let it take a little bit of a dark turn this year. And um, as I was um, in October, um, I binge-watched a certain show on Netflix. Um, Not a show that I would necessarily recommend. Um, It's got some language in it, but it's a show that I know a lot of you watch. Um, It's a very strange show. Um, It's a very strange show. And in this strange show, they talk about these two alternate worlds, there is the world that we see, and then there's the world that they call the Upside Down. Um, and what we're calling this series is Upside Down Christmas. And we're going to talk about it over the three, over these next three weeks, how Christmas really is a story about the Upside Down. And whether you realize it or not, you live in the Upside Down. So um, I want to start off by thinking about this. This is a recent event in our um, in our little town's history, uh, we had a visit by a certain someone, and it wasn't Santa. You can pull up the next slide, Dylan, and you'll, you're, I can pretty much assure you it was not Santa that visited Huntington. Um, if you rearrange the letters, you may get his name, but it wasn't Santa. Um, um, Donald Trump, the president, visited Huntington, West Virginia. Did any of you get, like, get to go to that and see the president? Um, awesome. When I, I've, I didn't get to see Trump. But I've, I've seen Bill Clinton when he came to Huntington. I've, I've seen Bill Clinton when he came to Huntington. Um, I've seen Bill Clinton when he, when he came to Huntington. Um, I've, I've seen W several times. He was such a good guy. I mean, he was a guy you just eat a barbecue with, you know? Like, and um, I even, he didn't come to Huntington, but I've seen President Obama. Um, so I just think it's so cool, whether you... Whether you agree with the president's policies or not, it's a big deal when a sitting president comes to your hometown, especially when your hometown is a little dust ball called Huntington, West Virginia. So, right, so it's a big deal when Donald Trump, president of the United States, left his Oval Office in Washington, D.C. and came down to the Big Sandy Superstore Arena to talk to us people in Huntington. It was a big deal. Tonight, what we're talking about in our Upside Down Christmas is that Jesus, who's a little bigger than Donald Trump, a little, a lot bigger, right, than Donald Trump, left his glory in heaven and came down to earth. You know, we think it's a big deal that Donald Trump came to Huntington. It's a bigger deal that God came to earth. And as we're talking about that, what I want you to think about is this. Where is God? Where is God? Where is God? I'm just listening to what your answers are. Um, but, and, and some of your answers are correct. You know, God is in heaven. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. Um, 
But do you ever pray and you're like, pretty sure God's not in the room with me because he is, like, like my prayers are you know, not even making it through the ceiling, you know. Um, you ever read the Bible and you're like, God just feels so distant. You ever have stuff happen in your life and you're like, yeah, yeah, where's God? Like, he's definitely not with me. So tonight, the big, like, to summer up the lesson and summer up, I miss summer. I don't like the winter. Is it bad to say I don't like Christmas other than the Jesus part of it? Um, and the gifts. I like the gifts that April gets me. Um, she gets me power tools. Um, but to summarize this lesson in like pretty much a sentence, it's this. God is here. God is here. God came to this earth through Jesus. Jesus left this earth, but he left the Holy Spirit to live in our hearts. So God is here. So at several points during our lesson, I'm just going to ask you, where's God? What are you supposed to say? Okay, that was like, I'm going to try it again. Yeah, you're right. God is here. So if I were to ask you, where's God, what would you say? God is here. Okay? Everybody say it with me. God is here. So if I were to ask you, where God, where's God? Okay, we're getting there. Okay. So God is here. Whether or not we feel like it, whether or not we think he is, he is here, and we're going to learn why God is here. So, Broger, you can go to the slide that has our scripture. If you have your Bible, open up to John chapter 1. We're going to see why God is here. Um, This is my favorite Christmas passage. A lot of people like Luke chapter 2 because it talks about babies and animals and shepherds and donkeys and that kind of stuff. Um, Makes you feel good. Um, This is my favorite because it talks about just how impactful this is. So if you have your Bible, John chapter 1, if you have your phone, open up the Bible app, go to John chapter 1. We're going to read just the first section of John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen, so you can kind of look through our Christmas lights and read along. So, starting in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all may believe. His, he himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is kind of the key verse here. The Word became flesh, verse 14, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, said, this is the one I spoke of when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of grace already given for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. No one has ever seen, this is kind of an important part too. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who himself is God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. So, see if you guys have been listening. Where's God? Okay, that's pretty good. God is here. 
So we're going to establish how God is here, why he's here. And the first thing that we learn from this section of of Bible, of Scripture, is that Jesus created our world. I have a picture up here of Steve Jobs, um, the late Steve Jobs who passed away. He was the one who made the iPhone. He was the one who designed the iPhone. Um, So many of you that hold that technology in your hands, Steve Jobs was the one that came up with the idea. Now, since he has passed away, I feel like Apple's kind of like lost some ground, lost some traction, and like Samsung's like, you know, kind of superseded Apple. But Steve Jobs was the one who created the iPhone. Jesus was the one who created the world. Usually when we think of Jesus, we think of, if you grew up like I did, maybe times have changed, but when I grew up, I had this teacher, her name was Mrs. Morrison, she had a flannel graph, and you all know what a flannel graph is? It was like, um, kind of like biblical action figures that stuck to a, like stuck to a board. Um, it was really low tech, but they, they'd always have these little action figures of Jesus and his disciples. Usually when we think of Jesus, we think of a person. We think of someone who is a human. Uh, we think of someone who lived, who died, who rose again. We think of someone with a face, someone who we can really identify with. But what we don't sometimes remember is, in verse 1, it said, in the beginning was the Word. When was the beginning? You ever think about that? No one can really explain that. Um, You may ask um, someone who is kind of like a, uh, maybe a science teacher or a scientist, and you say, when was the beginning? And they say, well, you know, millions and millions of years ago, this happened and this happened and this happened. Um, So where did people come from? Well, we evolved from some sort of primordial ooze. So then you say, well, where did the ooze come from? Well, there was this great, there was all this energy and there was this great explosion. Well, where did the energy come from? You work your way back and back and back, and you have to work your way back to this, an uncaused cause that had to always exist. You know what that uncaused cause was that existed before this earth, before there was ever a human, before there was ever a sea, and before there was ever a tree? We find in verse 1, we find Jesus. Um, It says, in the beginning was the Word, and you'll notice it's capitalized. Um, If you keep on going down in in this passage, what you realize is they use, this is going to sound a little confusing, they use the word, word, to describe Jesus. So you could substitute Jesus in verse 1. It says, in the beginning was Jesus. So Jesus created this earth, and it says the Word was with God. So you have Jesus, and you have God the Father. Jesus is not God the Father. If I, if I say I'm with Blake, that means that I exist apart from Blake, right? I hope. Unless we're some sort of like, 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 like voodoo dolls, and if Blake gets hurt, I get hurt, or that'd be really weird, wouldn't it? If I'm with Blake, that means I exist apart from Blake. So God, Jesus exists apart from God the Father, but then look what it says. If you keep reading, it says the Word was with God. Jesus was with God. Then it says, and the Word was God. Jesus was God. Jesus is co-equal with God the Father. But hopefully we don't have to scrape middle schoolers off the floor. Uh, Jesus is co-equal with God the Father, yet Jesus is distinct from God the Father. He, God exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was there before anything was there. The first verse in the Bible, Genesis 1-1, it says, And God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. There was more than one of them. 
There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was part of creating the world. If you keep reading, it says he was with God in the beginning, and that through him, through Jesus, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. What's the coolest thing you've ever seen in your life? Um, I got to go to the Grand Canyon, watch the sunset over the Grand Canyon. Pretty daggone awesome. Um, I sat last week in a tree stand um, pretty much every day, and I watched the sun rise over Route 10, over Salt Rock. And even Salt Rock looked beautiful with the sunrise. No offense to you Salt Rockers, I'm just joking. Um, And I saw the sunrise, that was beautiful. You realize it says in here, there was nothing that was not made by Jesus. Everything you see Every, all the material, and there's a scientific principle about it, but I can't remember what it is. Matter cannot be created nor destroyed. What principle is that, you scientists? But yeah, the law of thr- matter cannot be created nor destroyed. False. Talk to Jesus. He created it. Nothing was made apart from Jesus that's been made. So Jesus created this world, and you know what the Bible says about what Jesus said, what God said when he finished creating the earth? He said, it was good. We look around at our world, unfortunately, however, and we don't see it as good sometimes, do we? The world Jesus created, people, humans, were in perfect relationship with God. The world Jesus created, humans were in perfect relationship with each other. Nature was perfect. There were no hurricanes and there were no tornadoes and there was you know, no cataclysmic events. Now, can I, I'll ask you, today, is every person in perfect relationship with each other? Is that what it's like at school, like, like everybody's just cool with each other? Like, 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 you know, girlfriends are cool with their boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, and all that stuff, like everybody's just real cool and real chill? No? <laughs> or yes? No. Right? So what we learn is Jesus created our world, and he said it was good, but something has happened that has turned our world upside down. The Bible says that that thing that happened was sin. Romans chapter 5 says, sin entered the world and death through sin. So as people, we are cursed by the sin, by our rejection of our creator. And that has led to us being separated from God. It's also led to separation, a.k.a. drama, amongst ourselves. Drama is a result of sin. Broken relationships are a result of sin. So our world that was once perfect because of our rejection of God... Has, has become literally the upside down. It's like the way God created it, but it's not everything God created it to be. So Jesus created our world. We rejected his plan. Our world has turned upside down. So we got a big problem, right? And you all realize that? We got a big problem. If, if we're separated from God, if we have problems with each other, we got, we got a big problem. What was God's solution to the problem? It's the next point and the next thing we see here. Jesus created our world, and when we screwed it up, Jesus came to our world. When our world got turned upside down, Jesus came here. Don't underestimate how big of a deal that is. Think about where Jesus was before he came down. If you read Revelation chapters 4 and 5, which I'm really studying 
up because I have to preach on it on Sunday night. If you were to read Revelation chapters 4 and 5, you would see what the throne room of God looks like, and you would see how Jesus is the subject of praise 24-7, and how he's glorified and he's magnified, and he's in this place where there's total light and total perfection. He left this place of total light and total perfection to come down to our world that is full of darkness. You ever see, you ever realize just how much darkness there is in the world? You ever have a reminder of that, like the things that have happened in your life make you very aware, the things that have happened in your family or the things that have happened health-wise, the things that you see going on around you make you very aware that this is a dark world. Look what it says in chapter 1, verse 5. It says, in him, Jesus, was life. That life was the light of mankind. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Our world is upside down from the way things are supposed to be, but Jesus entered our world, he entered this darkness, and he shined his light. Jesus came to our world, but look what happened when Jesus came to our world. It says in verse um, 9, the true light, you know, we look into a lot of false lights. We think maybe uh, like a, a person a boyfriend or girlfriend or a friendship may be the light that we need to get through life or we think like, like some particular thing that we could get or something we, some game we could win could be our light. It says Jesus is the true light. He says it gives light to everyone who was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So Jesus came, and what did we do? We rejected him. It says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Jesus was a Jewish person, and the whole Jewish community shut him out so much so that they crucified him. They killed him. They put him to death on the cross. But it says, yet to all who receive him, to those who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, people spend a lot of time, and they work themselves really hard to try to get to God. Every religion of this world involves some way of somebody trying to get to God. If you are an adherent of Islam, you believe that you have to go through five pillars in order to get to God. You have to observe these five things in order to get to God. That You have to pray every day. That You have to make a pilgrimage. It's called the Hajj. You have to, you have to, give, um, to give alms. That's called the Zakat. You have to go through all of these things, and you have to do all these things exactly right in order to get to God. And, and people, it's like trying to climb a ladder to get to God. Every human religion you find, they, they're trying to get to God. But you know what the truth is? No matter how hard we try to get to God, we can't get to God. But what's so incredible about Christmas, about this baby that was born in the manger named Jesus, we couldn't get to God, so God came down to us. Don't underestimate that. We couldn't get to God, so God came down to us. Why did he come down to us? It says in verse, 13, in verse 12, it says, Yet to all who receive him, Jesus was rejected by a lot of people, but verse 12 starts with the word in Greek, it's called Allah, which is the way we would translate it either however or yet or but. So if you know me, I'm always trying to find big butts in the Bible. Look at the person next to you say, I like big butts and I cannot lie. Um, <laughs> so you're like, I'm not saying that. Um, so this is a big but. Jesus was rejected, but verse 12, it says, to anyone who receives him, to anyone who believes in his name, do you believe in Jesus' name? Have you put your faith in him? To those people, he gave the right to become children of God. That really changes who you are. That really changes your identity. 
Because maybe your heavenly, you, you don't, you, you're, you have an earthly father who is not that great of a father. Um, yeah, you, you have a dad who is everything a dad should not be. When you put your faith in Christ, you gain this heavenly father who is the perfection of a father who gives you the care, who gives you the attention, who gives you the love, and who gives the affection that you could never get from a human relationship. It says he gave you the right to become a child of God, so you gain this heavenly father. The also, the cool thing is if I'm a child of God and Jed's a child of God, that means we're brothers of another mother. That means I just haven't gained a heavenly father, which is incredible. I've gained a spiritual family. Sometimes it's a dysfunctional family, right? We fight just like any other family. We make up just like every family. But we gain gain brothers and sisters in Christ too. So we couldn't get to God. God came to us. Jesus came to our world. He left the glory and the splendor of heaven. That's a big deal. That's a big, hairy deal. So, how often do we act like the children of God? I don't have a picture of a hairy back. You know I've done that before. Don't worry, I don't have a picture of a hairy back. And here's the final point. Jesus became one of us. He didn't just come to our world. He became one of us. Look at verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to break this verse down kind of word by word and thought by thought. First it says the Word, which is Jesus, became flesh. He became flesh. God took on the form of a human. You know how I like to summarize it. I say God in a bod. God in a bod. That's never happened before. How in the world... Can, because you can read through the Bible and talk about how all of humanity, every person has this inherited sin nature. How can a holy God take on sinful flesh? We're going to talk about that next week when we talk about the virgin birth and when we talk about Mary. But God became a human. What's so great about that? Well, Jesus is human, so he can identify with our struggles. Sometimes I think we don't understand just how much Jesus understands you ever feel lonely? You ever feel like nobody really pays attention to you? Nobody cares about you? How do you think Jesus felt when he was standing on trial? <laughs> that was weird, wasn't it? But think about this. Are you ever lonely? Do you ever, you ever feel like nobody else cares about you? Think about when Jesus was put to death and none of his friends even stuck up for him. You ever been abandoned by your friends? You ever been ditched by your friends? Jesus understands. The Bible says in Mark chapter 3, 2, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Do you ever feel like a loner? Jesus gets you. You ever been rejected? Jesus was rejected more, I think, than any other person on earth. Jesus gets you. Jesus gets you. You ever feel like you don't have a place to call home? Jesus didn't have a home for three years. Jesus gets you. You ever get so emotional that you cry? Jesus did that too. Jesus gets you. You ever, you ever lose somebody you love, somebody that you love passed away, and you think nobody could ever understand what I'm going through right now? Read the story of Jesus and Lazarus when Jesus wept. Jesus 
gets you. I love this verse in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, we don't have a high priest, meaning Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. When you pray to God, trust me that God understands exactly what you're going through because Jesus was God in a bod, and he walked the path that you're walking right now. So the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Think about this. I've got this little object lesson to kind of just demonstrate exactly how big of a deal this is. If Jesus was God and man, what does that mean? If this is being God, if this, you know, if this um, blue represents God and this yellow represents me, I had to drink a lot of water to make this, okay? That's a joke. You didn't get it, okay? It was a pee-pee joke. Um, <laughs> now you get it. Um, if this represents God, this represents humanity. Here's one thing I know. God is holy. Humanity is sinful. And when you try to combine the two, something happens. They don't combine. They can't combine. This is the only way I know how to explain this to you. They don't combine. They can't combine. Because God is holy. We are sinful. How can a holy God take on a human body? The only way to explain it is the miracle of Jesus. I'm going to ask you a question. What would you say the ratio of yellow to blue is in this cup? 40-60? Something like that? 40% yellow, 60% blue? What would you say the ratio of blue to yellow is in this cup? Kind of hard to tell, right? Because you can't tell where the blue ends and where the yellow begins. Jesus defies the laws of physics. He defies the laws of math. Through a miracle, he becomes 100% God and 100% man. So just as he is 100% man and he can sympathize with your problems and he can understand what you're going through and, and what's going on in your life, he's also 100% God. So he's not, just, he, he's not just human enough to get you. He's God enough to fix your problem. That's pretty awesome. So where's God? God is here. God is here. He made, he, it says the word became flesh, and then it says he made his dwelling among us. This word for dwelling is the Greek word skino'o. It's hard to say. Skino'o. Um, sounds like a game, like skee-ball or something. But skino'o, and literally what this means is it means to set up a tent, or more um, contemporarily, it means to set up shop. You're too young to remember this. I remember the day, the blessed day, the glorious day, that they opened up a Starbucks at the Merritt's Creek Plaza. Y'all too young to remember this area before Starbucks. It was sad. I mean, it was like the Valley of Dry Bones. And, um, the, and it used to be like anytime you were out of town and you would drive by Starbucks, you would stop because it's, yeah, especially if you're a white girl, you know, because this is this, this just incredible thing, you know, and you want to get, and they brought it to Huntington. They're like, like, Starbucks is here, glory, hallelujah. You know, it was a big deal because they set up shop. And what this says here is the word became flesh and he set up shop. He made his dwelling among us. He moved into our neighborhood. He lived with us. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you're kind of hard to get along with. You're not always the most pleasant person. If you don't believe me, I'll ask your mom or ask your dad or ask your sister or ask your stepbrother. You're not the most pleasant 
person to get along with, but Jesus still moved into your neighborhood. Big deal. And then it says, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came to the Father full of grace and truth. You ever think about just how God and humans can't mix, grace and truth can't mix. You know what truth is? We like truth because truth is what sets a criminal behind bars. The judge rules him guilty because of what he did according to the truth that was presented. Would you want an axe murderer to go free? No. So we like truth, but we, Jed would, but everybody else wants him to be behind bars. We also like grace, though. We like grace when we've disobeyed our parents, but they don't ground us and they let us do something over the weekend. We like that. We like when we're late for our curfew and our parents don't ground us. According to the truth, our parents should ground us, but according to their grace, they don't. But here's the problem. How can grace and truth meet? If Jesus is 100% truth, we got a problem, right? Because we're sinners and we're guilty and we deserve nothing but hell. If God is 100% grace, we got a problem too because a good God, a good judge doesn't let sin go unpunished. A good judge doesn't let an ex-murderer go free. So how in the world can grace and truth come together? We see the cross. We see when Jesus died on the cross, the punishment that we should have paid for, Jesus took on the cross. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, He became sin for us. So God's truth was satisfied through Jesus because our sin debt was paid for. His grace was satisfied through Jesus because we didn't have to pay for our sins. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal. God in a bod. Where is God? God is here. Why is God here? So he could reconcile us to God through grace and truth. So what do we do with this? There's just two like real practical things I want you to think about. And the first practical thing I want you to think about is don't put an or where God puts an and. This is like something I've had written in my Bible. I transferred it from my old Bible to my new Bible (laughs) Uh, when my Bible got trashed. Um, Don't put an or where God puts an and. It says that Jesus in verse verse, 2, 14 was full of grace and truth. And all of us kind of lean one way or the other. Some of us are truth people. We don't mind ripping somebody up one side and down the other. You know, we, we, we don't hold our words back. We're like, you know what? I'm just going to tell them like it is. They just, they just need to hear it straight. Cut out the bull. Yeah, they just need to hear it straight up. She needs to hear what, you know, he needs, he needs, somebody needs to tell him what a slug he is. You know, like, like, like somebody, yeah. You know, And then some of us are more bent towards grace. And we don't like confrontation. We're like, well, we're just going to love everybody and tolerate everybody. And, you know, I don't want to upset anybody. And, you know, Blake, you just do you. Avery, you just do you. Jed, you just do you. Evan, you just do you. It doesn't matter if you're going to run off a cliff. I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to offend you. Even if you go splat, that's your decision. That's a problem, right? So people kind of bend one way or the other, way towards truth or way towards grace. If we want to be imitators of Christ, what we need to do is we need to learn the art of demonstrating grace and truth at the same time to people. April and I had our, um, we were very busy today. We said, let's just go down to the choke and puke and get a quick lunch. The choke and puke is my code name for anything down this hill here. You've got Wendy's, Taco Bell, Arby's, and uh, McDonald's. 
choke and puke. You know what I mean? So we're like, if we go to Taco Bell real quick, we'll be good, and we'll get out on time. Well, we went down to Taco Bell, scarfed down a couple burritos. We choked and we puked, and we were, getting, we were leaving to come back up here and get ready for tonight, and this lady stops us in the parking lot. Her name was May, and she asked for a ride down to um, 8th, Street and 17th, or 8th Avenue and 17th Street. And we're like, oh my God. she's like opening her purse to show us that she doesn't have a gun or anything. And um, we're like, you know what, we're busy, but tr- if we were living according to truth, we would say, you know what, sorry, up yours, we got to get back up here and, 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 and get, our, get, our, get our work done. But I went against my bent, because my bent is truth, um, and we extended some grace, we took her down there. It was really awesome, too, what God did, because like, she was sitting there eating, she had an orange with her, she was eating her orange, like every once in a while she'd roll down the window and throw part of the peel out of the window. She started whistling and singing songs in the back seat, and you know, she was, her name was May, and April's April, so we had April, May, and Matt, the third wheel, and it was like so much fun, and God blessed us, but it, it involved me going against my natural bent of truth and extending grace. We need to learn how to love people enough to accept them the way they are, but also love them enough to not let them stay where they are. So don't put an or where God puts an and. Be grace and truth. The second is draw close to God. Where's God? If God is here, that means all the work is taken out of it. If God is here, that means you don't don't try to get to God. You receive what God did for you. So let's pray. We went too long. We're going to get on a tag. Um, Let's pray. Let's thank God for coming to us. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your truth. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you came to this upside down world to offer us unlimited, unmerited favor. Uh, I pray that you'll work through our tag time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.